Hello and welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show sponsored by Betfair. Me, Ali Maxwell, him, George Ellick, energised ahead of a full slate of EFL action. We're going to be making betting picks ahead of it. It is for over 18s only. Betting comes with risks. So please make sure that if you're thinking of having a bet this weekend, you understand the risks that come with gambling and always be gamble aware. Hi, George. Hello. Oh, well. Yeah. You? That's a noise you shouldn't make in a podcast, like a loud, sharp, breathy, yeah, just hurts people's ears. As an editor, it hurts me as well. <laughs> Last week, poor, really. Uh, we mirrored each other in that we both won our next best. Mine was Leeds draw no bet, and yours was Southampton at Millwall, and Somerville didn't score, Jack Clark didn't score, nor did Rankin Costello. Uh, my no goal scorer in West Brom Hull was done very early on, and our naps you, Watford away at Huddersfield, nil-nil. Me, Ipswich away at Birmingham, 2-2. Two, two. Not good enough, both having a losing week and looking to put it right. And there's something quite nice about the fact that knowing that we need to respond, we sat down, we shared our picks, and it became clear, George, that this week... Double, double nap. nap. I didn't even, I, we didn't even share it. I just looked to my left, plagiarising, as I often do, and saw a nap card of 11-10 and thought, yes... I will, I will do the same. And what makes Cardiff at 11 to 10 at home to Norwich so attractive to you well, as your best bet of the weekend? I mean, this is the second time I've napped Cardiff on the betting show this season. The only other time was on the Saturday, the 12th of August, when they hosted QPR and they lost that game 2-1. They have played six other home games in the league this season. They've won five of them and they've drawn one. So I feel a little bit aggrieved at having basically picked them at just the wrong time but I think that shows just how much of a reason their home form is for their very good performances so far this season the reason why they're currently sitting in seventh place they have scored consistently at home they haven't drawn a blank once so far this season they've kept three clean sheets it just seems like a, a fairly obvious blueprint for success in that in your home games I think Errol Bullut deserves a massive credit for that um but the key reason for this selection and this bet has to be Norwich, where after a, a pretty good start to the campaign, Norwich's season is unravelling before our eyes. In comparison to the good home form from uh, Cardiff, their away form is fairly tragic. They've won one of their um, seven away games so far this season. That was a 4-0 win back when they were quite good against Huddersfield. Um, since then, we've seen them beaten 3-1 by Sunderland, 2-1 by Swansea, 6-2 in that ridiculous game where they were 6-0 down against Argyle and even 2-1 against Rotherham. So they are losing consistently to teams. There's also the 4 all draw against Southampton again when they were quite good. Things are unravelling very fast. We've seen news uh, this week that Stuart Webber's time at the club is coming to an end earlier than anticipated. Ben Napper is the man who is uh, replacing him. He comes in from Arsenal. He was set to start at the end of November and now seemingly that's been brought forward to Monday. Norwich have been like incredibly poor during this run and I think anyone who watched the first hour of the game against Blackburn on Sunday would have seen that. You know, Blackburn were able to carve them open almost at will and I think Cardiff should have the same ease with which to do so. Like Norwich were 2-0 up at home to Leeds four games ago. Since then, they, they conceded three in the second half of that game. Then they've been beaten by Middlesbrough, Sunderland and Blackburn, conceding two, three and three. Like I, I just, when you watch their performances right now, it's almost worse. You know, when you talk about a bad side, I think because things are unravelling so fast, because things are so toxic, without any change or without anyone instigating change, 
it's see, I see little reason why they won't put in that kind of performance again. It almost feels to me like away from home now. I think you could basically back any team in the league and I include the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and stuff at, at this kind of price. So at 11 to 10, I'm, I'm keen to get Cardiff on board. Very similar thoughts as you'd imagine as it's a double nap. My sense is that Norwich are in this weird stasis period where it's not hard to read between the lines and look at the bringing forward of Ben Napper's start date as a reaction to this horrendous form. Now, the reaction is normally the manager loses their job because of Norwich's situation and the the notice period that he was having to see out with Arsenal and, and Stuart Webber and his relationship with David Wagner. You know, you got the sense that they weren't going to make that decision until Ben Napper came in. Then they bring Ben Napper's start date forward, but there's still a game to play. Given how horrendously those players performed, in particular in terms of pretty basic things like effort, desire to track your man, uh, to press or not to press. Um, the, the effort was an issue. The shape itself and the coaching has been an issue for a long period of time. I can't think of many situations since we've been doing this where a manager has been in this position, as far as we perceive it, has dragged it back or has summoned somehow an incredible return to form from a group of players. More generally, I think the assumption is that players almost have this kind of herd mentality of, we know a change is going to be made. We we are 90% sure. It's when rather than if. Right. And so being that as it is, there's that sort of latency that, that, that sets in where there isn't that like collective desire to work super hard. It's, it's very difficult for me to imagine, having watched that performance against Rovers, why it would be any different this weekend against Cardiff. And it's not good enough to compete in the championship. In the last eight games, per Fox punter, the XG ratio tables, second worst in the championship. The results, bottom three in the championship. We don't see a reason why that would change this weekend. And as you say, Cardiff so strong at home. I really like their counter-attacking threats of Bowler and, and Carlin Grant. Kind of skill and speed on uh, the wings with Mate, sort of powerful presence up front, very lively. Uh, and Robinson as well is a really good attacking player too. So I think they've got the threats to expose Norwich if they put in anything like the performance that they have done for the last two months or so. So it's a double nap. It's Cardiff City at home to Norwich at 11 to 10. What's your next best? My next best is Charlton to beat Portsmouth at Fratton Park at 15 to 4. You've seen me last week pick against a team that had won nine games in a row, Leeds at Leicester, and you've thought, <laughs> how can I better that? What if I pick against a team unbeaten in 30 plus <laughs> league games, unbeaten, in fact, for over six months? Yeah, basically. I Great competitor you are. I, I Yeah, I, I've been saying fairly consistently on the Monday pod that, that this is... This Pompey run looks to me to be unsustainable. That's not to say they're not going to win the league or anything like that, but they are in games where they could feasibly and easily lose. Um, they are finding a way to get over the line, but I, not in a way that is necessarily, in my eyes, um, uh, one that can continue for, for too much longer. And I think there's a, a style um, angle to this, which I think is going to benefit Charlton. Now, both of these two teams, it sh- should be said, come into this game off the back of embarrassing results in the FA Cup. Uh, Pompey were humbled live on on TV by their former manager, Paul Cook and Chesterfield. Whereas, you know, even though they didn't lose the game, um, the uh, Charlton result against Cray Valley Paper Mills, Paper Mills um, where they drew one all, having got one nil up against a team from just down the road who, you know, in the eighth tier of English football, even though they didn't lose the game, I think for a lot of Charlton fans... 
despite the the pretty good results in the league, that was, um, you know, that, I think that's got them questioning Michael Appleton's tenure at the club, which given he made 11 changes, you can kind of understand. Although I would probably argue, and I think he would as well, that the team that was put out to, to, to play in that game, despite the 11 changes, still should have had plenty to see off um, the, the opposition. So both teams come into this with a fair bit to prove, um, despite Portsmouth obviously less so. Looking at Pompey's recent, most recent games, they were 2-0 down at Reading before doing what they always do in coming back and winning the game 3-2. They went to Cambridge and they drew 0-0. Like they edged past Carlisle 1-0. So many of their wins this season have come from behind. So many of their wins of this season have come with late goals. So many of their wins this season have been by a solitary goal margin. Like These are all things where if you look at Stockport's manner of their wins, if you look at Mansfield's manner of their wins, these are the kind of teams where consistently they're beating teams by two or three. And that's where you think like, yes, okay, this is a possibility they're going to continue to do this. I really strongly believe, and this isn't because I'm an Oxford fan, because I think, and I also said that our run was going to be unsustainable, which proved to be somewhat true over the last couple of weeks. I really think put Pompey in for, at some point, fairly soon, a really difficult run where they're going to drop quite a lot of points. And I think in this game against the Charlton side, who, for all of their issues, have just a, a real array of attacking talent. Like, we'll have Lieben and May through the middle, got Blackett Taylor off the left-hand side, we've got Fraser pulling the strings in the field. And Pompey's defensive record isn't particularly good. We know that Pompey are a team who press incredibly high and I think Charlton will have a lot of joy on the break. Now, Charlton's defensive woes are obviously very obvious and I could see this turning into a bit of a basketball game with both teams looking to to attack where possible. And I think Charlton have the firepower to really hurt Pompey. Um, with the, the added incentive as to Appleton needing to, to get a win too. And I also think if you look at Charlton's most recent form... They've lost, they lost back-to-back games before the Wigan game. They went 1-0 up at Lincoln before being you know, really um, well beaten there, 3-1. And then they conceded their first two shots against Bolton in a game that kind of ended up um, drifting off into a 2-0 defeat. But against Wigan, last time out in the league, where they went to a Wigan side in the midst of some really good form, have showed some really good form uh, since that game, all the narrative after that game has been how they nearly blew it, right? And how Maloney made poor... Um, made poor decisions in terms of team selection by dropping Humphreys and Goddard, who both came on at half-time and were the catalyst for a comeback. But if you take the first hour of that game, Charlton absolutely wiped the floor with Wigan. Like They, they were 3-0 up and they were good value for it. And I think in that hour, we saw what this Charlton side can be. And I have no doubt that if they go to Pompey and put in a performance of that level, there will not be much between these two sides. So, yeah, as I say, I think Pompey's um, unbeaten run at some point soon is going to end even if it doesn't have a massive derailing uh, effect on their promotion credentials. And I do think Charlton are a side who are eminently capable of putting in the kind of performance to beat them. So, yeah, 15-4 Charlton are my envy. My next best is MK Dons 2.3, 13-10 away at Newport in League 2. So I'm going back to the MK well, uh, which did me well two weeks ago when they beat uh, Swindon. Uh, but it's a lot about Mike Williamson, Will I Am son. <laughs> I got a feeling uh, that Newport <laughs> are going to have a tough few weeks ahead. They flew out the traps this season, Newport, in terms of results, but also in terms of their playing style. It really caught me and I think some of their opponents by surprise. Really high energy stuff, pressing high, lots of high turnovers, good quick direct attacking. Will Evans in particular, very, very potent. But five wins in the league this season, three of them back in August now, well in the distance. Only two league wins in the last two months. 
and six defeats in their last 11, conceding more than two goals per game, per game in that time. I saw them in, Swin in Swindon and I was pretty concerned. Uh, I think that if everyone is fit, there's a good starting 11. But I really think in terms of depth, in terms of the replacements that Coughlin has when players are injured, I think Newport County are really struggling really thin on that front. At the back in particular, they've had and do have injury issues and it's showing in their performances. You know, last weekend in the Cup, uh, Baker and Drysdale both got injured, both subbed off in the second half. They finished with a back three of McLaughlin, who's normally a wing back or a midfielder, uh, Scott Bennett, who's normally their defensive anchor, a defensive midfield anchor, I should say. And the centre-back Delaney was the only sort of recognised centre-back available. I don't know the extent to Drysdale and Baker's injuries, but you have to be concerned if they're going into this with a back three that's not used to playing together or in those positions. Because Milton Keynes under Williamson were getting an idea of how they're going to attack. They did lose 3-2 to Reading last week in the Cup. Was pretty classic goals to concede, I'd say, for a team of this style, by which I mean uh, a ball in behind. Their high line, a one-on-one -on -one, uh, Kelvin, big Kelvin scored against them, uh, a set-piece goal and an error playing out from the back that led to a, an easy goal for Reading. So some teething issues for sure defensively. That's not that surprising. This is a process-based approach, you have to think. But in their games already under Williamson, we have seen them attack with potency and their first goal against Reading showed the attacking patterns of play, showed why he wants Jack Payne playing in a much deeper role than normal picked out a great pass to the wing-back who is in space uh, and a ball across was tapped in by Gilby. So they've won the last two games in the league. Both were at home, so this is uh, a new test for them. He lost his only away game so far against Accrington. I think they have a real technical superiority over Newport, MK. And if there's any lack of coherence in Newport's back line, in their, in their defence, their defence midfield structure, I think MK have the players and the style to really make them pay. So MK Dons, to make it three league wins in a row, is my next best at 13-10 to 10 with the Betfair Sportsbook. With Betfair this weekend, you've got a completely free hacker or bet builder on football. Uh, you do need to opt in, so make sure you go on the promotions page and opt in. Uh, it's for this weekend, so starting today, the Thursday the 9th, finishing on Monday the 13th. The max free bet varies from £1 to £10 per customer, and you're required to place a minimum odds of 1.5 on minimum one leg. Uh, T's and C's do apply, so check them out, but go to the promotions page and make the most of Betfair's completely free acca this weekend on football. Uh, George, who's going to score? My goal scorer bet is Ali Alhamidi to score two or more goals at 10 to 1. Wow, lively. Yes. Um, when he scored that hat-trick a couple of weeks ago, I think we were all like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And in October, he had 15 shots and expected goals of just under 2.5. He didn't score a single one of them. Um, so it's back to how it was previously for Alhamidi. But of all strikers, you know, this is his second run where he's massively underperforming his XG. He's now got four goals for the season from an expected goals of about 8.5. This just isn't going to last. Like, I I'm so confident that at the end of the season, when you look at Alhamidi's um, total XG compared to his goals scored, there will be, it might not be level with, mm -hmm. but I think there is going to be a catching up process fairly soon where these are going to go in. He just isn't a bad finisher. Like he, We know that. I've seen enough of him in the back end of last season, albeit in a small period of time. But you can see when a player is clearly confident of scoring goals and can be clinical, then they have that in him. He's not, for example, Nicholas Jackson in League Two. Like He isn't someone who's going to consistently get into these positions and look awkward scoring goals. He's going to be clinical. And they host a Doncaster side who have obviously much improved under Grant McCann, but still have games where they are defensively very poor. AFC Wimbledon are going through a difficult patch at the moment, but the underlying numbers are still pretty good. I think like Alhamdi, it's just a matter of time until things click again for Johnny Jackson's side and they start scoring goals. Um, 
He scored in the FA Cup as well, which is handy because it ended his drought, even if it didn't end his league drought. So the fact that, and also uh, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon scoring the goals on that day also helps. So yeah, he's someone who scores in, in snatches. And I think this is a decent game to side with him to do so again. Like when you look at the Josh Davison, for example, is a shorter price than him to score, which I, I nope, just... it's not for me that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a, more of a case of Davison being too short, but Alhamidi being a double figure price scored two or more goals at home, given the opposite, given the positions he's consistently getting himself into, for me is a, is a must bet. Come on, Ali. Mine is back to the well again, back to an old favourite, Max Dean from two weeks ago. We napped up uh, MK and we picked Max Dean to score. MK won and Max Dean scored. I'm going back to the forest of Dean. And I'm not sorry at all because when I backed MK to beat Swindon, they were at 6-4 to four and Dean anytime was 12-5, to 3.4 in the decimal. He scored. He then scored last weekend at Reading. And this week, I'm backing MK as my next best. They're a shorter price than they were against Swindon. Uh, but there's Dean still at 12-5. to 5. They've held firm on their pricing of him, and I want to make the most of it. It's, it's bait to me, and I'm taking it. Uh, a quick reminder, uh, an update of what I said two weeks ago about Dean. Uh, he's currently on a run of games where he started against Barrow, took six shots and scored two goals in Graham Alexander's last game. He took one shot against Accrington and didn't score. Since then, five shots against Bradford, four on target, scored one, hit the bar with another and had a one-on-one saved. Versus Swindon, three shots, all on target, scored one. Versus Reading last weekend in the Cup, came on 66th minute, scored an injury time. So I've no doubt that he'll be back and starting. He's clearly the informed striker. Williamson uh, clearly likes him for his work rate as well. He's made that clear in interviews. And you may remember I did that analysis on Williamson's strikers at Gateshead, Langstaff, Scott, Dinanga. Scored 0.69 goals per 90 between them under him. Regularly scored braces as well. The end point of Williamson's style of play is a cutback or a threaded through ball for the number nine to score with defenders having been dragged out of position. And I think that that is very much on the cards this weekend. Max Dean going again at 3.4, 12 to 5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Oh, George. My kingdom for a long shot. We're in week 14 and neither of us... I don't think we have to... Have won a long so that's shot. that's why I'm putting up an 153 to one shot. Are you actually? Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. But it's two. It's, it's Carl Witten to score two or more at 13 to one for 0.75 of my point. Nice. And 0.25 of a point on the double of him and Alhamidi scoring two or more goals. Okay. On, so Witten two or more and then a quarter of a point on Witten two or more and Alhamidi two or more. 153 to one. The double. Um, Stockport playing against... Stockport playing away at Swindon. Swindon's defensive record. I mean, sorry, Swindon fans, but Aldershot scored seven against Swindon last time he saw Swindon play at home. Uh, Colchester scored three against Swindon last time he saw Swindon play at all. It feels like things are unravelling pretty quickly for for Michael Flynn's Swindon town at the moment. I love that. Swindon scored, conceded 10 in the last week. Didn't Wooten score four in the cup? He scored four in the cup. (laughs) And because there's, there's a clear thing here where Louis Barry, Stockport's most important player and best player, gets injured. Witten comes into the side for his first start last time out. Yeah. Has five shots. Quad. Of a um has has five shots, played very well by all accounts, then scores four in the cup in, in the FA Cup. Like he's he's certainly got a point to prove here. And given Swindon's issues defensively, like he feels you know, obviously Tanto Alafe is having a, a very good start to the season, but it does feel like Witten playing in that front two in my mind seems like the more natural likely goal scorer of the two and because he's only had one start this season obviously the price drifts and the rest of it I um, yeah I like the matchup for him even though Swindon are a side who we know can cause top issues this is a top team who are at the peak of their powers right now 
Um, they're going for 11 straight consecutive victories in the league with this. So, and yeah, Swindon come into this with a real crisis of confidence, I would say. Having put in a really good first half performance at Colchester in, mid- in midweek, and then it just completely unraveled and, and fell apart second half. So, um, and given that Louis Barry is on penalties, we haven't seen who will take a penalty, but could easily be written on, on pens, especially given his, his, his goals in the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, you've got a player in Alhamidi who's short confidence, but getting into lots of goal-scoring, uh, goal-scoring positions. You've got a player in Witten who is full of confidence, having off the back of four goals. And I, we've seen League Two being a, a, a league where we're seeing a lot of goals this season, a lot of hat-tricks. Mm. How much is it both of score a hat-trick? Why not? Stick it in there too, but sad not on the PNL. 153 to on the double. You know what's funny? What? Is that I've backed Max Dean to score a hat-trick as well, and two or more. As my, my goal scorer pick, Max Dean. Trixie. So we are looking at League Two, I think it's fair to say. Cool. And I think we, we've clearly both had that thought during our prep of being like, hold on, haven't there been eight hat-tricks already in League Two this can't season? Can't be anymore. <laughs> can't, can't be anymore. Variants. Yes. Variants. Uh, we run a competition on NTT20 squ- uh, Squad, the betting channel that we have, which is uh, people basically taking us on with picks of their own each week. And we've got rolling totals throughout the season. El Arbitro, Hugh Davis runs it with uh, uh, an iron fist uh, and also great humour in his write-ups. And there's a guy, Niall, who picks every single week for his long shot over 5.5 goals in a game that's expected to have high goal expectancy. And uh, he's won four long shots in his last seven. And given that I'm 17 points up for the season, but 11 points down on long shots, I've, I've looked at that and I know that I should take inspiration and show some consistency of my own with my picks. But you have me. But not really. I think, I think the lack of consistency has been an absolute disaster. I also think, like, I'm learning about myself. Am I just the Scott Hogan? Am I, is that my punting profile? Am I basically like... Don't take a long shot. There's just no point. You're not very good at them. Try no. and try and work your way into into better goal scoring positions. Work the ball into the box. <laughs> yeah, work the ball into box. Can tell Shut up, assistant. I want to <laughs> hit crosses early. You can tell we both played a lot of football manager last weekend. Uh, anyway, my long shot is Barnsley to win and both teams to score against Derby. So it's seven to one. Um, but Barnsley are, uh, in my eyes, pretty juicy price to win this game. Uh, nice little wrinkle here that adds a bit of spice is that uh, George had Derby on his long list. So he was leaning uh, in the Rams' direction and I'm leaning in Barnsley's direction. Uh, Barnsley are, are chaos made flesh. Uh, they've scored a lot of goals. They concede quite a lot of goals. They've also got a much better record away from home than at home. In fact, they've got the best away record in League One. Uh, five wins, two draws, and no defeats away from home this season. The Tykes, really good on the counter-attack, which I think helps. More comfortable counter-attacking than trying to break someone down, realistically. Uh, Devante Cole and, and Max Waters' speed. McAtee, if he plays, has that kind of smarts, good movement. And then in midfield, they've just got such a good gang. Uh, Luca Connell's missed the whole season so far, but he came off the bench against Horsham, so should be in the squad at least. You've got Herbie Kane, Callum Styles, Adam Phillips, as well as Connell, Josh Benson and John Russell are now your fifth and sixth choices. It's a really strong group, that. Let's be honest, they're not good at the back. Uh, at the very least, Collins is picking a consistent back three now of Jordan Williams, uh, Dejavigny and uh, Jamie McCart. So you've got to hope there's a little bit of um, coherence being built there. But I also think it's personally, I think it's a good time to get against Derby. 
I think their last two home games have been about as easy as they could have been for them. And I think they've likely inflated their underlying performance metrics and therefore might have an impact in this price. So I was there to see them beat Exeter, an Exeter side playing about as poorly as a League One team plays, clearly lacking in confidence, didn't put up much of a fight in a 2-0, particularly once it went 1-0, easy cakewalk for Derby. I don't think they played that well at 0-0 and I had the feeling that a better team could have hurt them. They'd lost to Shrews away uh, in the midweek and tension was pretty high going into that game. A lot of lot of talk about it before the game and Warren and his future, etc. They beat Exeter, calm. Then they went to Stevenage and they lost 3-1. Tension's high again, losing away from home again. The next game at home, Northampton 4-0. Absolutely thumped them. Northampton didn't lay a glove on them. Now, Yes, it's impressive. Yes, it's a good performance. I personally don't think that game has much impact on them playing at home to a team in Barnsley who are the opposite of Northampton. They're playing with tons of confidence. They're a very, very strong team with really good players, players that are as good as Derby's players. That is not the case for Cobblers who offered nothing against them. So even though it seems very convenient for me to say, I'm kind of happy not to read too much into Derby's wins against Exeter and Northampton. I'm kind of more interested in their general level against in games that are a little tougher for them. They drew against Crewe last week in the Cup. Those defeats away to Stevenage and away to Shrewsbury. I don't think the form line is great. Uh, and they've only won three of their seven at home. And they're all against bottom eight teams in the league. Lost to Oxford, lost to Wigan, drew with Pompey, drew with Cambridge. So I want to side with Barnsley at a very, very juicy price. I don't buy that Derby are, are sort of back in form. I think tension is still pretty close to the surface and Barnsley could be the sort of team that, that makes things pretty lively here. Um, I'm up for it. I'm up for my first long shot of the season. I could say that every week. Uh, Barnsley <laughs> to win and BTTS 7-1 to against Derby. BTTS 6-fold? Yes. Should I do my three? Yeah. Um, starting League 2, uh, Wrexham against Gillingham. Uh, only one... Don't start in League 2. Starting the, you got a champ? Yeah, but uh, no. Have you got a League One? Yeah, but I think often we start at the top. You should we should give the you know the plucky Wrexham first run for one. <laughs> plucky Wrexham. Okay, mate. Starting League Two. Uh, Wrexham, Gillingham. Um, yeah, Rex, only one Wrexham game this season hasn't caught for BTTS. Weirdly, only two of their away games has. Very, very weird huh. the, the disparity between the home games and their away games. But we stick with it. As I mentioned, loads Gillingham. Uh, this will be the first game of Stephen Clements as their manager or first league game who has clearly been hired to play a certain way, as is the will of Brad Gallinson, which is the reason why Neil Harris was sacked, which I think, again, plays into the hands here of, you know, he's he's going to be charged to play attacking football, which is, we've seen five threes, we've seen five alls at Wrexham, so... It's- you know, I stayed in a hotel called the Five Alls, in and around the in, Cotswolds. In Philkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, in Philkins, Letchlade, Cotswolds. Um it didn't strike me at the time, but do you think that was... Philkins sounds like if I knew someone called Phil Wilkins, I'd call him Philkins. <laughs> Philkins. <laughs> yeah, and he'd, he'd be the patron of the Five Alls. Yeah. Why do you think, do you think that there's a famous Five All game? Uh, anyway, the Five Alls. Great hotel. Uh, Fleetwood, Fleetwood Exeter is my second one in League One. Uh, again, change of manager since Luke, since Luke, since Lee Johnson came in. Fleetwood's games have been very high scoring. A three-all draw recently. Uh, home to Blackpool as part of that. We know that Lee Johnson's sides are generally very attacking. X fall into that category as well uh, under Gary Caldwell. It feels like two kind of out-of-form attacking sides going head-to-head. And then Pompey Charlton, for the reasons I mentioned, Charlton just generally a side who at the moment are pretty good going forward and not great defensively. And despite Pompey's good record, they don't actually keep that many clean sheets. Do we want out-of-form attacking teams forming part of a BCTS? Yes? Yeah. Well, because both of them, like Fleetwood in, in particular, just... 
Johnson seems to have got them quite good going forward, mm. but but hasn't tied up defensively at all. And Exeter concede loads of goals. So yeah, yes, yes, BTTS, yes. Jack Marriott's underlying numbers are mm. pretty strong, aren't they? Uh, I am in the championship twice. Once Sheffield Wednesday against Millwall. This one's one point nine nine to ten. Uh, and I understand why, because on the face of it, these two teams are not known for their goals. Um, but I think that the context means we can be confident of a more open game than is expected. That's because under Danny Rull, Sheffield Wednesday have looked much more enterprising going forward with a much clearer idea of how to attack and hurt teams. A lot of it centres around the wild card, Anthony Musaba, uh, who's a real bit of fun. Um, but just on very basic numbers... Royals' first three games, they had uh, double-figure shots, which only happened three in 11 under Munoz. Uh, they only had six against Bristol City, but they were down to 10 after half an hour, so I'm willing to draw a line through that one. Um, but there is a chance to attack against them, no doubt about that, partly due to their tactics, partly due to the fact I think they've got a pretty bad team. Uh, Millwall's first game under Joe Edwards. I'm purely guessing here, but I don't think there's any reason for him to come in and set up with a kind of... Rowett-esque, stodgy away game plan. That's what Millwall have been uh, going with for the last few years. And I think it's much more uh, a case for him to try and attack it, um, try and put his front best foot forward and, and engage the fans early. So Wednesday, Millwall BTTS, yes. Ipswich Swans as well. Ipswich scoring over three goals a game at home, but they have the sixth worst XG against away from home. They want games to be open. They're fine with the opposition um, having attacks, particularly on the break, so that they can have their own Great uh, chance here for Yates, Lowe and Cullen, who've looked really dangerous recently to spring counterattacks against them. And Northampton against Burton in League One is, is the last uh, leg. Cobbler's been in really poor form recently um, and, and Burton, I think, can hurt them. But uh, you know that Northampton's front line, albeit they haven't been in great form recently, uh, they have a great understanding of each other's games. They've been playing with each other generally for about two or three seasons now. Hoskins always a threat. So Cobbler's Burton at the price I thought was a good thing as well. The sixfold is at 29.57 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Nice. That's, That's all right, isn't it? That is all right, yeah. You were moaning before we recorded about how bad the prices are for BTTS hackers these days. Nothing to do with the odds from Betfair, just generally. BTTS, yes, hackers have been uh, cut pretty yeah. considerably in the main over the last few months. A lot of goals. As we've seen the goals, goals fly in. And then we tried to a BTTS no multi and I think only one team didn't one team didn't score. We only got one leg up, that is correct. And it was done by 8.30 on Friday when Sheppy scored a worldie. Yeah. So we're leaving that one behind. Uh, that's all we can do. Um, but we're not leaving you behind, guys, ever. We'll be here every single week with the betting show on the Monday pod as well on the Not The Top 20 podcast sponsored by Betfair. Thank you very much for joining us this week. We hope it's been a pleasing uh, sound of the start of your weekend. Uh, We've got a double nap, which is Cardiff City. And my next best is MK Dons. My goal scorer is Max Dean of MK Dons. Uh, My long shot is Barnsley to beat Derby and BTTS, yes, at 7-1. to Uh, And George's picks are... Uh, my nap is also Cardiff, Charlton, and my next best at Pompey. Uh, Alhamidi to score two or more goals at 10 to 1 is my goal scorer pick. Carl Wooten is 0.75 uh, to score two or more of my um, a thread 13 to 1, my long shot. And then 2.25 of my long shot is the double, 153 to 1. All eyes on League Two goal scorers this weekend Dean, Alhamadi, Wooten. Come on, uh, the BTTS sixfold at 29.57 is Sheffield Wednesday against Millwall, uh, Ipswich against Swansea, and Northampton against Burton. Those are my three legs, and Georges are Portsmouth Charlton, Fleetwood Exeter, and Wrexham 
Gillingham. Thank you very much for listening and go well. <laughs>